I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to the Unplayable Podcast. My name is Josh Shonafinger and on this episode we'll be checking in with Louis Cameron, who's on the ground in Colombo as Australia finished their ODI series against Sri Lanka and prepare for a two-match series to be played in Gaul. Welcome, Louis. Yeah, thanks, Josh. I think we're at the halfway point of the tour time-wise on a, on a six-week-ish long tour, um, and we've played more than half the game. So we've got one more one day. We're recording this on Friday morning, my time, uh, Friday afternoon, your time back in Melbourne, and still haven't had the fifth one day just yet. When you're listening to this, dear listeners, uh, that one day I will have been played. So apologies, we don't have the latest from that, but uh, I feel like attention has squarely shifted to the Test Series. Yeah, that's right. And speaking of the Test Series, your chat with Nathan Lyon is coming up uh, right after we do a quick little wrap-up of the one-day series and a little preview of the Test Series. So stay tuned for that now, Louis, the... Uh, ODI series has been decided even though there is still one match to play. Sri Lanka wrapped it up uh, in the fourth match. Uh, take us through your thoughts. You've been there in person. What's what's it been like at the matches? The crowds have looked incredible, um, but there's still a lot going on in the country, obviously. Yeah, there is a lot going on in the country, and yes, the crowds have been incredible, and I think the the best way I've kind of come to understand it is that it's an escape for people who are going through a really, really tough time in this country, Josh. Like it's, um, it's been a real eye opener. Um, some of the things people are going through, um, you know, the most obvious one, the most visible one that you kind of see when you're on the ground here is the, you know, the fuel queues for hours and hours, um, speaking to some of the people who take us to the ground, um, every day for training and stuff, they've waited up to 40 hours for, for petrol, which is, um, just heartbreaking mate like so it's it's just stuff that we can't um kind of comprehend but the one day is they just love white ball cricket in this part of the world like i think back home there's a bit of a sense of anticipation for this test series to start but over here it's like every every game is sold out um it's people just want to see white ball cricket and i mean even the fact that it's such a funny one because there's no uh, there's nothing riding on this series. Like there's no Super League points, strangely, even though Sri Lanka could have really done with them because they won't qualify automatically for the 2023 ODI World Cup. Uh, and Australia probably could have done with them too. But um, so it's kind of like all these all these things swirling around. But I guess the, the uh, I mean, for the Sri Lankan people coming to watch these games, they, they are definitely not meaningless. Uh, yes, as you said, 3-1, they're up at the minute. Australia has had a debutante in the series. Uh, Matthew Kuhneman played in the second ODI, and there's been a whole lot of spin sort of stuff happening on the Australian side of things. Um, quite a lot of Aussie spinners over there as well. Why is that? Give us the rundown. Yeah, well, I think the pitches are increasingly taking more and more turns. So the, the pitch they use for the fourth ODI 
was uh, the use wicket that they used for the, the third ODI. I think the Aussies were a touch bemused by that given there seemed to be another wicket that was being prepared that, um, <laughs> that you know, they might have thought might have been used for that fourth game. So it will be interesting to see what was used uh, for that uh, for that fifth game that um, that will have happened by the time people are listening to it. From a spin point of view, yeah, I mean, I mean, the the story of the tour for Australia has just been the injuries across the board to batters, bowlers, all rounders, spinners, the whole works. Um, the yeah, I mean, Ashton Agar um, missing games has kind of opened the door for Matthew Kuhneman, which um, he's I think he's impressed people just given how far back he's come. He, he's um, he only made his first class debut last year. Um, he was the leading shield wicket taker and he probably would have uh, last last season just gone by and he probably only played because Mitch Swepson finally kind of got his chance around the around the test team. So um, that's been a, a really good one for him. I think he'll he's in contention to play the test as well from what I can gather that um, with the news last night that Glenn Maxwell's been added to the test squad um, that, uh, you know, the, the kind of um, bit that, probably most people didn't see in that same release was that Kuhneman, John Holland and Todd Murphy are all staying on for, for the test series. And, you know, they're not technically part of the squad, but, um, you know, they're, they're a chance of playing Kuhneman and Holland. I think Murphy, um, you know, maybe a little bit further back just cause he's a right arm off spinner and they've got Nathan Lyon. So, um, the Aussies, the, I guess the other thing to add there is the Aussies are kind of saying that, it's good that these wickets are getting prepared for the ODIs, these really turning wickets, because it's actually the perfect preparation for what they're expecting in the test. And, yeah, we should be expecting goal to spin. Uh, obviously, last time Australia were here in 2016, Sri Lanka made the most of those spinning pitches and won 3-0 in the three-test series. Um, just If we can just finish up on the ODI series, now, obviously, Australia haven't been winning too much, so there's probably not too many top performers to speak of, but... The ODI World Cup is next year, and that's in India. So how do you think Australia's preparation for that is coming along? I mean, there have been a lot of injuries and stuff on this particular tour, but it's the same, you know, similar conditions to what they will experience in about 14 or 15 months' time. Yeah, it's a good question, Josh, from an ODI World Cup point of view. I mean, that's still quite a while off, but uh, it's hard to... I mean, on the one hand, this is an unusually strong limited overs team Australia have been uh, sorry limited overs squad they've been fielding I mean apart from Zampa uh, who's who's just had his first child um, you know pretty much everyone else was here um, and I guess the injuries have, have opened the door for a few people but um, you know Pat Cummins has probably been Australia's best bowler um, he hasn't played every game it's kind of been he's been in and out Maxwell had his moment um, you know won Australia that game off his own bat in the um, in the first one day or in Candy, uh, and then he you know hasn't hasn't been able to hit those same heights the next couple of games, um, so it's just been, it's been disjointed. I think they're they're playing a slightly odd um, kind of balance of their team now with with Cameron Green at eight for the last two games, um, which I think is quite quite interesting. It's almost a bit of a throwback to the the two, 2015 World Cup side when they had James Faulkner, um, who's probably a little bit further developed in his bowling at, at that point um, than what Green is. Uh, but Green's probably a, a slightly better batter. Um, so it's that kind of really deep batting lineup that I reckon they're probably having a look at. And, um, you know, maybe when they get to India n- next year, they that's an option for them to, um, with all these all-rounders now, like Stoinis, um, who's got a side injury and, and has gone home, 
Mitch Marsh, who's had a calf injury and has just come back, and Green, if they get them all fit and playing in the same team, um, plus with Maxwell and Labuschagne who can bowl overs, that's maybe a, um, a a bit of a different way that they could go about it. But yeah, I mean, in terms of just you know performances, it's it's probably more been about Sri Lanka, really, to be honest, in terms of how um, a couple of their guys like Kusal Mendes um, has had a had a really good game early in the series, and then Nasanka and Asalanka, two kind of 23, 24 year olds um, who uh, who have kind of probably not quite hit their heights until this series have, have really really shown for the the Sri Lankans. So. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really good for for a Sri Lankan white ball point of view, I think. Now we might may have buried the lead a little bit. You said Glenn Maxwell has been added to the Test squad, which will make a lot of people very happy. Um, does that mean he's in contention for the first Test? I mean, it, it must, right? One hundred percent, he's in contention. Yeah, I think it was interesting, and I didn't really notice it until Travis Head got his hamstring injury and and now appears in some doubt for that first Test that they didn't really actually have a specialist backup batter. Um, Marcus Harris was omitted for this this series. That was probably the the headline, if you like, out of the test squad announcement um, you know, a month month or so ago. Uh, so you've got Mitch Marsh and Josh Inglis, who who I guess are in contention. Um, whether Inglis is is really, you know, I think I think as a backup keeper, he's he's a good option. Whether he's in contention as a specialist batter for the test side, I'm not sure. Um, so you'd think between. Mitch Marsh and, and Maxwell, that's probably they're probably the two gunning for that spot if heads if head can't get up. And then maybe uh, I mean, not saying I mean Marsh's play against spin has improved dramatically in, in white ball cricket and he's spoken quite um quite well about some of those um changes he's had to make. But you know, Maxwell was already there. Like we I think his his greatest strength, I mean, all his seventh tests have come on the subcontinent. Um, this is where he is at home in some senses. So um, he knows that, and I think the the selectors, and especially Andrew McDonald, really really rate that. So it's um yeah, I, I would I would say if, if Head's not fit, Maxwell's probably the the front runner to to slot in where, where he would bat. I mean, the the other um, part of this, you know, just thinking ahead is that would put leave a middle order of um, a lot of right-handers with Smith, Labuschagne, and, and Cameron Green already in there. Head was the kind of middle order left hander they had, so you know maybe Carey could could um, could come up and bat five, and then Maxwell goes to six or seven with with Green, a bit like the the ODI team at the moment. Um, so yeah, that'll be that'll be a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, and Carey bats um, up the order for South Australia a bit, doesn't he? So it's not as if it's completely foreign conditions for him. A hundred percent, yeah, and I think he's a, he's an excellent player of spin as well, um, and he's really made that that five spot in the one day team his own a little bit so yeah I think it wouldn't be um he'd be quite capable of it um you know I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not saying any of this is going to happen I'm just you know this is just me kind of thinking ahead a little bit but um but yeah it's it it's really interesting and and then there are also some um some interesting dynamics at play with with how they go with the makeup of their bowling attack too Definitely. Well, let's just talk about that. Obviously, there are two locked in. You would have to assume the captain, Pat Cummins, and spinner, Nathan Lyon. But if Mitchell Stark is finally fit to go, you'd think he'd be right to go as well. So that only leaves one spot. Do they go for the spin, the pace? What's your general feeling on that last position at this stage? Yeah, I'd say Mitch Stark is 
is you know, firming very nicely. Maybe not a, a certainty, but you know, pretty close to it. Like he, there's nothing wrong with him from the sense that he's bowling flat out in the net, um, and is you know looking really good doing it. Um, similar with with Steve Smith, who I think um, he, he probably he's I, I don't think he's going to play this fifth ODI, but um, he should be in no doubt for for the tests with his quad thing that he's had. Um, so Stark's an interesting one. He yeah, he sliced the finger on his uh, bowling hand on his left index finger, and he can kind of bowl and everything fine. He just can only do it with tape, and you're not allowed to bring come into the game with an injury like that, which is an interesting, um, an interesting rule. Uh, so I think that's he's got the stitches out. I think it's just a case of um, him not wanting to open the wound back up in the one days by bowling ten overs with the with the seam kind of cutting across it. By the t- but by the time the tests start, I think he'll be good to go. And then, yeah, as you kind of alluded to, that second spinner spot is an interesting one. I think Mitch Swepson, um, you know, he said it himself that he probably didn't bowl as well as he could have in Pakistan. Um, and that's and there were some really promising signs in there from, um, from there. But I think he – it was quite interesting. I think he – there was a sense that he bowled a bit too fast over there that maybe he thought – um, the pitches would spin a lot and that extra pace um, w- would be desirable. I think speaking to um, to John Davison, a guy who coaches him um, quite a lot up in Queensland and also coaches Matt Kuhneman, he seems to suggest that faster pace might actually be the go for Sri Lanka where pitches will turn a bit more. Um, the, the I guess the consideration for Australia is finger spin is king in the subcontinent, like two a right arm finger spinner and a left arm finger spinner is generally how teams go about winning tests here wrist spin is not as popular so uh, you know Ashton Agar I think being out for the first test is um, a bit of a spanner in the works for that because he has test experience he has a lot of limited overs experience um, he would have been the front runner if, if they want to go down that path now it's about whether Swepson is a, is a better option than the other two left arm finger spinners they've got I think that's kind of kind of how it's shaping up yeah, well, it's going to be very interesting to see where they go. I, personally, I hope they go for Swepson, but let's let's see. Lou, any big predictions for the Test Series before we chuck over to the Lion interview? Yeah, I, I just think it'll be close. I, I think um, I don't think Sri Lanka will be able to roll over the Australians like they did in 2016, mainly because they don't have uh, Rangana Harath, who's a, a world-class <laughs> bowler. And they also had a guy called Dilran Pereira, who bowled right arm off spin at the time who was a real handful for Australia's left-handers in that series. Their bowling attack is really raw. Um, they got a couple of quicks who did quite well against Bangladesh, um, who I think have maybe five or six tests to their name, uh, Fernando and Rajitha, who are really promising but haven't played much. Uh, and their, their spinners haven't played played much as well. Um, so that's, you know, like this Australian team is very experienced Um They've just beaten Pakistan. They've just won their first Test Series in Asia in a very long time. Um, but the conditions are going to be a, a massive leveller for for probably the underdogs in, in Sri Lanka. So it, it sets up a really, really fascinating series in my opinion. I've got, I've got no prediction other than I think it will be um, – I think the, you know, it will be closely fought. Great stuff. So that first test is in Gaul on Wednesday, the 29th of June. Don't forget to stay tuned to cricket.com.au for all the latest news scores, video highlights. There'll also be interviews from yourself and the Qantas Runway Report, 
where you'll be running us through the pitch and the team selections, among other things. Louis, let's chuck over to your chat with Nathan Lyon now. Do you want to give us a little intro? Yep, I would. A really great chat with Nathan Lyon. We talked about the 2016 tour of Sri Lanka quite a bit. Uh, Some of his work with Mattia Murali-Duran. Um, which I found really, really interesting. Uh, some some stuff from Rangana Harath on the advice he gave him after that 2016 series uh, and just how he's approaching bowling on the subcontinent um, and as well some of his, um, his longer-term goals and this team's longer-term goals. So here's the chat with Nathan. Nathan Lyon here. You're listening to the Unplayable Podcast. Coming back from Pakistan... And, um, yeah, what have you been up to since then? Has it been a, a quiet time? Has it been a busy time um, working on your fitness? Talk us through what it's been like. Uh, it's been really enjoyable, to be honest. Um, been able to spend a lot of time at home um, and like, spend it with family and friends and have Easter at home and with kids and, and Emma and uh, get away to Perth and catch up with family over there, which has been really nice. Um, but then in lead up to this... Um, it's been really enjoyable. Uh, it's been a lot of hard work behind the scenes with Tom Carter, who I've got nothing but praise for, who, who's really helped me from the start of my career to, to now. So it's been a lot of hard work. Um, hopefully it'll put me in a good position here to come out and do my skill. Was there something involving a heat chamber in all this fitness yeah. prep? Yeah, uh, did a, a heat chamber, a couple of heat, heat chamber sessions of a little little box where it's 38 degrees temperature and, and high humidity and it's uh, not very enjoyable but pretty similar to what we're experiencing right now in all seriousness does that is that factor into it you know you're coming to a pretty humid hot place like is that um specific preparation for here uh yeah definitely it's not something that i do every week um but yeah it's uh when, when looking here um even watching a couple of the first t20s and seeing the boys um, visually hot um, it's only going to get worse during the day as well so it's something that Tom and I spoke about uh, trying to trying to come custom to, to this kind of type of conditions as, as much as we can back at home um, so something that we spoke about and put it in play and um, hoping to see the rewards Do you call it career best fitness? Um, well yeah not, not far off it to be honest I, I don't really gone up or gone down too too far it's always been quite quite constant uh, with my fitness I, d- I dare say hopefully stay injury free and that's been a, something that I've been pretty proud about throughout my whole career to be honest so fitness isn't the first thing people think of when they think of off spin bowling but I mean when you think back to Pakistan you were racking up a, a lot of overs and you have on previous tours is it a bigger is, is that a myth that fitness isn't important for, for spinners oh, 100% it's a myth I think it's uh, a very crucial part in being able to perform it's all well and good to be able to bowl four overs uh, and be at the top of your game but if you can do it Potentially 20, day, 20 overs or more a day and go back-to-back days, I think it, it's going to really show and really hopefully put your team in a really good position if you can play your role. Um, so, so yeah, fitness is a big thing um, and a big focus of, of trying to be strong at the crease because one of my big big things with my bowling is actually being really strong at delivery and being really explosive. Um, but then uh, that's only going to help as well within fielding, etc. as well. So, yeah, fitness does play. Also, you're not... As strong as what the fast bowlers are, but um, we definitely have to be fit, that's for sure. 
So what are these next 10 or so days leading into that first test in Gaul? What's, uh, what's important for you in that lead-up? Um, really, really to na- nail down the skill set that's in really important over here. Had a really good session bowling to Josh English yesterday in the nets for, for an hour, just one-on-one, which was really good. Um, we'll do that tomorrow with um, hopefully Uzi and Smithy. Uh, and, and Ingo uh, batting, um, but yeah, I think it's just really getting getting used to the conditions and understanding what we need to do and try and uh, try and think on our feet while we're here and try and think outside the box a little bit, which I don't think we've done in the past here. Interesting. Thinking outside the box on that note, um, I noticed a, an interesting short leg drill going on at training a couple of days ago. Can you talk us through what was that, that was about? Uh, yeah, so we had the AFL football out. Uh, and it was just uh, really had uh, Trav Head at Silly Mid-Off and Marnie at uh, Bat Pad and it was just, I know, trying to hone in on, on those skills because we understand how important these these positions are. Um, and it's, I've never filled, I have filled there two, two fast bowls, but I'm never going back there because it's not, not up my um, alley. But uh, it's so important in there. and. We're, we're not expecting them to catch everything because it's a bloody hard job in there, but if we can turn little half chances into a full chance, then, um, then that's what we're after. And so little little drill with uh, me throwing the ball to uh, Ronnie with the football ball, and it's just popping off a little bit. And it, it's that, that hard to practice uh, bat, uh, bat pads when it's you can kind of read the play, and, but with the footy, we've found that we can get a little, more, little bit more variation in it. And fair to say, Andrew McDonald was probably enjoying it the most out of any of you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he certainly. Was. I was trying to hit him in the in, in the shin, but um, but uh, no, he, I think it's a really good training draw, To be honest with you, I, I haven't seen it done before like that. Um, so that's something that we'll be moving forward with, I reckon. Because, and I'm more than happy to throw it if it means that uh, we're getting in, getting in really good positions for the bat pads. Uh, and just picking up on what you said there about thinking outside the box and maybe that not being done on, on previous tours, can you kind of explain what you, what you mean by that? What, what happened on previous uh, Asian tours, I presume you're talking about, and, and what's happening now? Um, I think it's just from learning, to be honest with you. It's not that um, we didn't do them. I think we, we probably did them, but it was probably did them late in the game. Um, it's more me thinking about different fields, different tactics over here, um, how can I potentially play on someone's ego with the bat if I have a certain field position. So that, that's all I mean by that. It's not it's not really changing our skill sets or doing anything like that. It's more potentially little little field placements here and there that can play a big big role in different things. I want to, um, I mean, speaking of previous tours, I want to dive in a little bit on that 2016 tour of Sri Lanka because it seems like it was a bit of a watershed moment for, for you in particular. Um, it, it was it, it'd been interesting reading back about that series and I think after the first or second test Buff and Smithy said that you need to hit the stumps more when you kind of reflect on that now what um, and think about all, all that went into that how do you uh, how do you reflect on that um, yeah yeah it was a, it was a tough tour um, it's a tough tour that we weren't playing well uh, or well enough to, to compete really compete and perform well in these conditions which was probably really frustrating um, but looking back at that, it's been a great learning curve and it's able to, to put me in a really good position to prepare mentally when we come, come here in the subcontinent. Um, so I've really taken a lot out of that um, and something that we can 
really hopefully I'll be able to pass on a little bit of knowledge to, to the younger spinners, whether that's Swepson or whoever it may be, Ash, depending if he's fit um, moving forward and on how, how we may want to go about these things. Um, so tough tour, but a great learning curve and really has really helped me through my career. And as someone who um, who's that success that you've had in Australia, you're, you're a really strong advocate of you know spinning up the back of the ball. Was that the first time you considered that maybe that you, you might need to find a different method when you're not playing in Australia in terms of that technical thing? Um, I still believe in spinning up the back of the ball, and that's no matter where it is, and that's purely off of myself believing that my skill is good enough to perform wherever it is in the world. So having that self-belief, but. What's come to me in my turn, this is purely my terms, is the ability and willingness to bowl ugly. And that's, that's only me talking about my bowling um, and how I can be more effective over, over here. So that's something that I will be trying to do is looking to probably bowl a little bit more ugly than what I'm, I'm used to, um, which hopefully will put us in a decent position. When you talk about bowling ugly, does that mean bowling at the stumps? Does it mean not getting that beautiful shape that you that you normally get going away from that? Uh, no, I think the stumps is always the stumps. That, that's the quickest way home. Um, but I think it's it's different variations where, which don't really work in in Australia. That potentially might be a round arm, might be total totally undercutting it. Just slight slight little wrist positions uh, behind the ball, side of the ball, etc. So. That, that's my terms of bowling ugly. Um, so for everyone watching, don't don't think you have to go out and bowl ugly. Fall in love with the stock ball, but I think that that's the biggest thing for me is being willing to bowl ugly over here. But was that something that Harath did in 2016? Uh, what what uh, Harath did was just owned his, owned his spot and owned his skill and understood if he put. I've, I've had a conversation with him after this test series and I said, "What what do you do that I don't do?" And he said. I know I'll put the balls in one, one spot and you blokes will stuff up. That was the exact words. And so that's a pretty simple mindset. And I, I took it out of it and go, OK, test cricket, it, it, the secret to everyone's success. If you can challenge their defence for long periods of time, you'll be able to create chances. So, and that's what he did extremely well. He challenged our defence for long periods of time and he got the reward. Um, and did you pick up some stuff from Murali in 2016 as well? Uh, yes, Murali, and I was only talking to George Bailey about this the other day. I actually come over, come over to Sri Lanka and one, I come over by myself and train with Murali for, for a week and I got a lot out of that. And I'm trying to think of the years, I'm thinking of potentially 2013, so pretty before that. But um, yeah, talking to Murali, it's, more, it's not me trying to, trying to bowl like him, it's more a mindset thing. And I think I've been able to really learn off so many people around the world, but Murali's mindset was pretty unique. And like I said earlier today, I sat down with Chandika, our New South Wales batting coach, about former Sri Lankan player and coach, purely about mindset. How do, how do the subcontinent players, how do they think? So it's been a really, really interesting learning, I guess. Did you, when you came over in 2013 or wherever that was with Murley, was it? Did you come over by yourself? What were the? Can you paint a picture of that trip? Uh, yeah, John Davison and myself come over here and uh, trained. I think there could have been some younger N NPS guys at that stage, at young batters. Um, I can't recall, but the, I just for four to five days, just a week, 
trained with trained with Murley, batted against Murley, bowled with Murley for two or three hours a day. So it was pretty, pretty rem remarkable spending time with him here in Sri Lanka, where he's probably the greatest Sri Lankan cricketer to ever play the game, uh, or definitely the greatest bowler. So yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting. And he was still bowling at that point. Yeah, yeah, he still he was still rolling them out, and it was pretty pretty impressive, pretty pretty challenging to face him. I, I can understand how he's taken so many wickets. I think you got asked this earlier today about that Sri Lanka tour, um, about it potentially being a turning point. So be before and including that series, you took 42 wickets at 40, about 43 in Asia. Since then, you've taken 65 wickets at 26. Was it a turning point? Well, yeah, if you read those numbers, it is, isn't it? Um, yeah, I can't sit here and disagree with it. I don't know the numbers. Um, but. Yeah, it's interesting to hear those numbers, that's for sure. But I think, as I keep saying, it's been a massive learning curve. And I think you get older, you mature more, you understand what your, your role is and probably get a really clear plan on how, how to really uh, perform that role. What, what's that, four to five years into my career now, sitting here 10, 11, 12 years on, it's, I'm a different person, different role, that's for sure. Say that as well, um, Nath. Like in terms of where they are now compared to 2016, um, that was identified as a bit of an issue, right? That you weren't, you guys weren't making enough runs on that tour. Are you more confident six years on that you've got a group that has has the game to succeed here? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the self belief is is here, um, which is incredible. It's not going to say we're going to come out here and and play the best possible cricket. We're going to aim for that, but I think. Having that tour of Pakistan, um, having that um, belief of being in the contest for 15 days and playing some really decent hard cricket, I think it's really put the test group in really, a really, really good position. Um, but then you look at, uh, you got Davey, Usman, Smithy, three of the top six who are very experienced players. And they've been here, they were on that, this tour of 2016. Uzi was here in 2011 with me. Um, they've played enough cricket into subcontinent to understand. Yes, some, they're going to have a ball in their name at some stage. That, that's the nature of the game here in the subcontinent. But runs is a big, big key here, and it's just building partnerships and doing the basics really well because it's going to be challenging. But I think the belief is, is here, which is really, really positive. Longer term, Nath, it's an interesting 12 or so month coming up after that in terms of an India tour a potential World Test Championship final and an away Ashes tour as well. You've never won any of those in your career. Have you, have you thought about those, those things coming up? Yeah, yeah, bloody oath. Bloody oath. Um, they're, they're up with the biggest goals for me is winning. Retain the Ashes is un unbelievable and I think that, that's a pretty big feather in your cap but winning in India would be more, one of my biggest goals because um, I forget when Australia's ever done that. Um, and winning in Ashes, back-to-back -back Ashes, um, to hold the Ashes over there twice in a row would be pretty special. And obviously with 
Brendan McCullum jumping on board with uh, Stokesy. They're playing a really positive brand of test cricket, as we're seeing. So they're going to provide a different challenge to what they provided us at home this year or last year. But um, it's going, yeah, the next 12 months is massive. Um, so there's some big goals there, that's for sure. And on that India tour specifically, um, that, that might be, that'll be your third test trip there, I think. And it, it might be the, the last for, for a lot of you guys if it's, you know, every four or five years. Um, do you think it's your best chance? You're writing me off, eh? <laughs> so, so it might be for some of you. How old will you be? 30? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm 30, 35 in November. Yeah. Um, so I, is, it, is it your best chance, I guess, is my question. For yeah, this group? I, I think yeah. it will be our best chance when you look at the, our current test squad as well. Um, obviously, if everyone keeps performing and playing their roles, can't see many changes, to be honest with you. Uh, I think that's probably a really big strength within the, within the test team at the moment is that we're, it's been a consistent squad pretty well um, for the last number of years and it's been, we've been performing well and we're on the road to... Our goal is to become a great Australian test team and we're, we're far from that at the moment. We're, we're heading in the right direction, but I think having that same group is only going to give us a really good opportunity um, to... To perform over over in all the all around the world, but um, especially get back one couple in India, which they beat us at home, which it, it doesn't sit well with me. Mm. So you bristled a bit when I said that it could be your, your last tour there. Is I mean, how? Oh, well, realistically, yeah. 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 What there's, what how many years in between each tour? Four so, or five, yeah. Four to five. Like I, I've, I, there's no end in sight for me, to be honest with you. I, I'm probably hungrier than than ever to come out here and play test cricket around the world and perform so um, yeah but who knows it realistically yeah it probably will be our last a lot of us last tour to, to India but who knows I'm trying to hang on as long as I can and if I'm playing the role and still loving the game and, and the world test championship final um, that's a, it's a funny one because it's a new concept is it is it meaningful this for this group yeah 100 percent 100 percent you look in the white ball players, all you want to do is win a World Cup or many World Cups or whatnot. This is the test cricket version of a World Cup. So I was pretty disappointed to miss out on the final last year by some silly overrate rules, um, So, which is pretty frustrating. But I think if we're able to play some really decent cricket throughout this next, what, six to eight months, then, then hopefully we'll be in that position to to be there at, if it's at Lords this year and and go there and compete and and aim to to win it and and celebrate after. And you like that format every every two years? Would you would you like to see it change at all? Um, no, I, I, I like it. It's probably the only way you can really do it. So, you, so you're able to play so many different teams. Um, it'd be interesting if you if it was a more a three match test test championship final rather than a, a once off because. As you, you well, you watch enough Test cricket. You can, you can't win a game in a session, but you can lose at top things. So I think it would be quite, quite interesting if it was over a three-match series um, in England, or one, one at the home venue, one at the away venue, one in Lords. Be something, bit of travel involved, but uh, not a bad concept in my eyes. Very good, very good. Like it, mate. Thanks for your time. Easy as. Imagine. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Boll Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Boll Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bollandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.